This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. Yeah, we're rolling now. Okay, good. I think I think the bitching about Glucker should be the intro. Yeah, I think so. All right. Alana, what are your grievances? Too tall. Too tall? Like? I hate beer, so fuck him. That's not true. No, do, you even, like beer. do you even know Jeff? No, I've met him the same time I met you. Oh, okay. Well, but he hates go. him already, so well, it's Yeah, good. if you've met him, you probably hate him. Yeah. Well, that goes without saying, but I thought we want to be specific. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to episode 76 of the Hooniverse podcast, which, as of now, is without Jeff Glucker, because he's stuck in traffic. That's his excuse, anyway. Anyway, we're here with Alana Cher and Brennan Gluggly. Did I get it right? Did, it. did I get it right? He, he did. Yes. pretty damn close. Uh, fair enough. Of uh, Hot Rod Magazine. I got that right. Brandon, what would be the proper pronunciation? Gluggly? Uh, Gluggly. Okay. I, I said, like, McGillicuddy or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, apparently, we're a little NPR-like today. Um, so I'll insert oh, some feeling pretty mellow. sad pretty oboe mellow. into the background. Uh, oh. Do you want more hyper? Is that no, no, no? It's just Blake's very subdued. I'm not doing a terrible Southern accent now, so you got to give me credit for that. No, the, the amount of shit that was given, the amount of shit that was given out. It was wonderful. I tell you yeah. what. That's about right. Bra- Brandon's yeah. trying to whisper things in my ear, but Brandon, you can headphones. you can say these things out loud. We can hear them. That's probably a bad idea. Okay. <laughs> I think he's I think he's making fun of my. Yeah, don't forget this goes on. Accent. This goes up, so we probably shouldn't say anything super mean about our boss, David Kennedy. Yeah. Who's a if, great uh, guy? If he were here today, he would have a lot of good things to say about the magazine. Yes. Oh, that was Jesus a nice Mayor Christ. Quimby right there. It's a pretty good Mayor Quimby. So. I, I make Brandon give me all my assignments in that voice. That's pretty good. Okay, so Brandon, you 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 were the first guest that I've ever seen come in with a printout of spreadsheets that are colored and coordinated of some sort. What the hell is that exactly? Uh, this is the final results from this year's Drag Week, and uh, Tanya Turk, who was practically, uh, she wasn't really the, what am I trying to say, the race marshal, but <clears throat> she's the one who collects all the timesheets, puts all this together. So I have in my hands the official. Final results of the world's fastest streetcar competition that we put on. Ooh, that's interesting. That is the most prepared anyone has ever been for the Hooters okay. podcast. So, hey, I, I'm thanks, w- Tony. Wearing clothes mostly. That that's good. Yeah. Maybe. Um, but clothes aside. <laughs> um, so what? I mean, were there any favorites that you guys got it? You know, coming into the competition this year, like people that you've been working with for years and years and stuff, and. Yeah, um, I mean, should we back up? Should, should we should back up yeah. and explain to the readers what Drag Week is, because it's, well, a week, I assume. Yes. And there's and drag racing involved. Yes. Lots that's of That's pretty much it. Okay. No. Um, so Drag Week came out of, um, I believe it came out of the pump gas drags, uh, where the idea being um, when people first started trying to build fast cars that were also Streetable, mm-hmm. we'll say streetable instead of streetcars. Right. There's some argument about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be driving the cammed out car. You're going to get stoked with you know fumes into the office every day. Well, you aren't. Well, that seems um, pretty <laughs> fun. There are things wrong with us. The average person wouldn't yeah, the, get caught right. that exactly. And the, and this is certainly also not exactly what the average person would be doing. But the idea of racing a streetable car uh, sort of kept growing, and now uh, we just went into, it was the 10th, the 10th right. running of Drag Week. So um, the way the competition works is it, it's a drag race. Uh, we go to five different tracks, mm-hmm. and the cars have to drive themselves from track to track. Um, they can't be put on trailers. They can't have support trucks. Um, theoretically, everything that they need, including their own crew members, needs to either be in their car or in another competitor's car. So Are there any tra- like little mini-trailers allowed? They can carry little mini-trailers, and there's a yeah. limit on so the side So it's mostly just for tires, then, at that point? Yeah, tires or you know a keg of beer, keg whatever's of beer. really important to yeah, you. Yeah, that's true. Um, you can fit the tires around the keg, too. 
You can. Yeah. It, it, well, it's really impressive how if people you're running a drag practice. car on like maybe like 22s or something like that, <laughs> which might be a little antithetical. They got those but, uh, little mini kegs too, the tall ones. Yeah. Mm. So um, anyway, this year we had about 1,200 street miles, and then you know uh, drag strip runs every day. Um, nobody got any sleep because if you are driving these cars, and they are very fast cars. I mean, there, there's a bunch of different classes. So, <clears throat> but I would say that. Um, they go from sort of what you would consider like a, a fast test and tune night car, like a 12-second car, all the way up to we had six-second cars running, more than one six-second car Yeah, that's running. a big spread. That's a really big spread. Different classes. They're yeah. not running against each other. How, how many people signed up this year? Oh, wow. We, we actually had like a bobble where more people signed up than we were supposed to even let in. So I think it ended up being like 350 or we something. Had, yeah, we had 351 that got in in the eight minutes that registration was open. It was supposed to cap at 250. Jesus. And, I think uh, we th- started the week day. with 310. 310, right. Yeah. So um, it filled up in eight minutes. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then we over the course of the week, we lost about 50 competitors. And I don't mean like we lost them, like we don't know what happened to them. I mean, stuff broke. They, are, yeah, they had to drop out. out. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's 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 tough stuff, you know? Like the guys work, and girls, they work really hard uh, to to make it through, and it's very impressive what they can so do I'm with assuming, it. Probably a lot of small shops and family teams. Yeah, lots of families. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. Where did you start from and where did you end up? We started in Tulsa. Yeah, and we ended back up in and Tulsa. And we ended back up in Tulsa. Well, how far did you go? We went through, like, back roads in a kind of weird circle, crisscross thing, Oklahoma, Kansas, back to Oklahoma, back to Kansas, back to Oklahoma. Cool. Um, so, you know, you got to find an area where there's actually racetracks available. Yeah. Um, but so we did a lot of, like, two-lane back road stuff. I mean, it's crazy really see small-town America when you're doing oh, yeah. this. And I've driven through Then the you see small-town America from the window of a six-second 57 Chevy, which is that much cooler. Which a lot of them showed up because I was following you on Instagram and you were really following the 57 Chevys. I was riding in one of them. Yeah, the, the black one, right? Mm-hmm. That thing was sweet. So does this rotate locations every year like power, like the Power Tour does? <laughs> yeah, it does. Last year we started in uh, Beach Bend mm-hmm. at uh, Beach Bend Raceway Park and we didn't include any of these. We ended up in Indy, right? Yeah. Um, none of these tracks overlap from last year. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's usually center of the country because that's where there's a lot of racetracks. Well, yeah, and a lot of – are you getting mostly quarter mile or are you getting stuck with eighth miles sometimes? No, it's all quarter miles. There's quarter. no eighth miles. So. Okay. Well, yeah, that's good because eighth mile at this point, it's so fast. It's like you, can you really even gauge things anymore? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of cool eighth mile racing as well. Um, there's the is it the Outlaw Pro Mod stuff that runs only eighth mile? Um, uh, that sounds right, but I, mean, I wouldn't – like, yeah crazy fast four second eighth miles or something like that no rules but um in general quarter mile is there's a lot more history behind quarter mile it's a yeah. lot easier to compare it to what other people are well doing. that and if your car is set up for quarter mile like if you especially if you're running a turbo car or a centrifugal supercharger i mean a lot of times you're not even going to be fully spooled until almost the end so it would be completely pointless i mean eighth right. mile for them is a handicap but um, now, we, we here at Hooniverse all really like uh, road trips. So, you know, on this road trip, what kind of interesting stuff did you see or come across or eat? <clears throat> we Well, we could tell you pretty much every brand of beef jerky that's available in Oklahoma and um, and Kansas and which ones are the best. Uh, What's the best? What was the name of that one that you got, Brandon, <laughs> with the – it was like pepper – these are all local beef jerky. I'm going to let Brandon tell you are. about food because that's oh, kind of his Oh, man. Um, yeah, usually we're eating beef jerky for dinner, but what was it? Augusta, Kansas was the barbecue place. Ooh. Yeah, that was right off the route, and thank God uh, David Kennedy, our editor, found that. It was our saving grace. We ate there with uh, with Larry. Yeah, Larry, Larry Chen from Speed Hunters <clears throat> okay. shot the race for us. So, oh, no shit. Uh, yeah, he got great okay. stuff. Yeah, so if you really want to see what it was all about, his photos are amazing. So... Out of out of this, I mean, what what kind of mix of cars are we seeing now? Do, are there year limitations on this? Are there, or is it just completely wide open? Yeah, it's fully wide open. There's some classes that are, like the gasser class mm-hmm. has got to be era correct, and the hot rod class, right? That's all pretty, yeah. probably 60, 63. I, I think remember. the hot rod class is even earlier than that, isn't it? But um, yeah. So there are a couple of classes. I mean, obviously there are, 
because there are classes, there are rules. There, um, most of the rules have to do with um, chassis or body modifications or tire size. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are naturally aspirated and power adder classes. Um, the classes that tend to get the most attention are the gasser class because it looks awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing like um, them anymore, so... And uh, there was a really cool guy named Paul who uh, had a nomad wagon that nice. was like all rusted out looking, Hell but he'd yes. driven it from Ohio, mm. and uh, and he was sleeping in it the whole time, like so he was totally doing this like on a budget. And then on the other end of that are the guys in what's called the unlimited class, which is pretty self-explanatory, mm-hmm. and that's where the six-second cars are, and that's you know the Larry Larson, Jeff Lutz, um, Doug Klein, these guys in um, sort of almost pro-mod-looking cars, fiberglass bodies, yeah. tube chassis, it, giant turbos. Around the whole event this year, there were some, if I remember correctly, there were some changes in the rules that had a lot of, there was some community of people around that, right? Um, this year, we didn't really end up having changes in the rules, although um, David Freiberger, who Yeah, I mean, that's what I was seeing the, was a post from him. So Yeah, um, he did put out a post sort of um, feeling out people for rule changes um, in the coming years, oh, okay. um, but nothing nothing changed for this year. It was the same as last year. So what are those what are those big changes that, that everybody seems to be so worried about? Um, and, I mean, none of this is solid, but some of the things that are being discussed mm-hmm. do have to do with um, how you qualify the, the streetcar thing. How do you keep this from being... Because some people don't like the idea of full-on race cars um, running the, you know, they think like, okay, if it's fiberglass body, if it's tube chassis, like, that's not really a street car. Um, for me, I think if it drove on the street, it's a street car, but there is yeah, argument about it. I mean, if it, if it meets the legal, you know, criteria for it, why the hell wouldn't it be? Right. A lot of people are having problems with it, like, oh, it's just tube underneath, but at that speed... You've got to have a full cage, so you know that's yeah. your structure. I think I think the criteria for a streetcar are basically what <clears> will you put up with on a daily basis that's still legal. Yeah, and these guys are putting up with this stuff, and they're not getting a huge check at the end. They're getting a you know a jacket that uh, you can't even wear on drag week because it's too hot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Who's, one of those lovely, that? one of those lovely like plasticky type jackets. It's, it's, it's like right? an all black Letterman's jacket, well, right? I mean, oh, nice. and also cool. so far the competition has been so close that. There isn't like a runaway advantage to to doing the sort of um, fiberglass bodied race car over a steel bodied right. car. Uh, uh, our final results um, this year: the the overall winner had a fiberglass bodied car, but second and third place were both steel bodied cars, and they were I, close. At that point, I, when you're talking about it at that level, though, does it really even make a difference? Because if you the steel bodied car, and you're a little heavier, you just add more power. I mean, that's really what it comes down to with these guys when you're when you're playing in these cars that are probably put put together for fifty, sixty grand at a minimum. <laughs> yeah, I think the engines are about fifty or sixty yeah. grand. So yeah, yeah, traction know. becomes a bit of an issue, and some of the guys were wondering whether, I mean, Lutz's car was lighter was going to help because they didn't know if he's going to launch, right? Right, and then they worry about aerodynamics as well. Um, you know, for the top cars, end, yeah. yeah, really light. I saw top. a lot of carnage going on, like people like throwing rods, pistons getting warped and shit like that. Like a lot of stuff, a lot of attrition, right? Yeah, we were kind of expecting like the stop <clears throat> LS abuse people right. to come wave signs at us because there were a <laughs> lot of there were a yeah. lot of uh, damaged save the LSs engine components. I did the '57 Chevy make it out alive? Yeah, both of them did. Nice, that's great. So yeah, Jeff Jeff Lutz was the winner in his uh, composite 57. Okay, so composite 57 is probably running like what a two-speed transmission in that thing. Uh, Rossler 400. Rossler 400. Okay, so and then what are the? I mean, what are these top guys? What are they running for motors and stuff like that? What are you typically seeing? Well, the the Rossler 400 is kind of the standard at this point, right? I mean, is it? Yeah, I think so. And then a gear vendors on top of that to keep the the RPMs down for the street and. I'm looking at the top one, two, three, four. I don't know what Tina runs in, in her Sonoma, but the top five cars are like twin turbo big block Chevys for the most part. Okay, so it's like pretty, aluminum block. Yeah. Aluminum yeah, block. So at this power level, I mean, they're all shooting for at least probably 800, 900 reliable, and then it's just turbo big block, easy power. Right. Yeah, I think we're looking at, you know, 
couple thousand. Yeah, yeah. Before we before we were recording, you were talking about an S10 with 3,000 horsepower. You know. Yeah, that's Larry Larson's truck, yeah, which sort of to thing. run, you know, six. I'm sorry, was it on a 616? Yeah, 616. That's looking at closer to 3,000. Was there any this year? I mean, you you guys obviously you see the same people over and over in the top end of things because it's just how it goes in that in that game. But do you, was there any any new kind of players out there that like everybody was like they're doing some cool shit? Um, the, I would say that some of the more interesting, unexpected stuff happened like one or two classes down from the unlimited class. Um, what class was George running in? Gallimore? Yeah. Uh, Brandon's looking at his spreadsheet, which is why we brought it. Yeah. Um, oh, he was in, uh, he was in Super Street Power Adder, and that car was amazing. Yeah, so he was running a, a Monte Carlo, a 70? Yep. And he was running in one of the, what you'd call like a small tire class, so mm-hmm. he wasn't running the biggest. He was slicks. running regular road-going <laughs> tires. He was not a big tubbed-out yeah. monster. It was, it was mini tubs, it was factory mini, frame yeah. rails, and a 315 tire. So still like a car that a guy would build in his garage, or could build in his garage, per se, and it wasn't some giant... And, until you pop the hood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it, you know, it still looked like a, a race car. He still had a parachute mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but he was... Um, I mean, I rode in that car uh, one of the days, and you know, eventually I had to get out because Brandon and I needed to to run ahead to get photos. And I was like, "Oh, how much further do we have today?" And Brandon's like, "Oh, like 50 miles." I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, you went like 200 miles in that car." And I was like, "Oh, it was totally comfortable." Like, <laughs> I mean, it was a race car. I think most people probably wouldn't think it was comfortable, but compared to what the guys in the uh, unlimited class were running, it was really pretty cushy. <clears throat> and um, and that car was really cool. And we're seeing more cars like that where it's like a big unexpected body style, you know, not running to the full extent of what you could do in terms of tire or stripping the car and mm-hmm. then still running seven sixty seven holy seven shit. sixty six at hundred and ninety two miles an hour. Yeah. So it was not a light car and George is a solid man. Um, <laughs> and so it's not, you know, there was you know, and still running those numbers, I mean it's just unbelievable. Yeah, there's something about drag racing, there's not a lot of welterweights in drag racing. <laughs> I mean, That's it's true. You, you, I believe the proper term is corn-fed. Yes. And, and I'm saying that as not a small man myself. But, yeah, that's anytime I go to the drag strip, I feel spelt. So That's true. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, um, Alana, you and I are part of an interesting thing this weekend, and also Jeff, wherever he is right now. Uh, and also and Matt, Brandon wrote all my around. notes. You brought your notes? <laughs> I said Brandon wrote all my notes, so. Oh, um, listen, we got to get the cue cards. Come on, we're, we're our assistants. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, you and I and Jeff and a bunch of other people, all the basically all the cool SoCal people that have been on this podcast and the Smoking Tire, were on a, a panel for the Peterson Museum. Yeah, it was fun. We we were educating the masses on auto journalism and why you shouldn't do it because you'll be broke. See, I actually ended up feeling a little depressed after that panel because yeah. it, it was very interesting, but it ended up being a lot about the business side of of writing about cars. And, you know, at one point... I almost wanted to just interrupt and be like, you guys, like, don't listen to everybody. If this is what you love doing, just just do it. It's right, that's totally you know, worth so it. Did it, you know? <laughs> did it turn into a panel of jaded, jaded journalists being like, why are we even doing to. this? It was, it was kind of about to, actually. I, I was talking to my girlfriend who was in the scene, and she was like, that made me feel really depressed about writing. And I was like, come <laughs> on, that's not the point. You know, there was a lot actually, of Actually, isn't that the entire point of writing? The writing is supposed to make way. you depressed. Well, that's why we uh, that's why we drink so much. But the um, there were a lot there were a lot of interesting points about how like people got started. Like, Alana, you didn't go to school for writing, even. You went to school for art, and you graduated with an art and sculpture degree. And you wound up here. Well, wound up is kind of putting it lightly because you obviously you worked hard. We all worked hard at this. I don't work very hard. <laughs> okay, come on. We're trying to be nice to these people. Um, no, it's really interesting to see how people either fell into it by accident or just, you know, pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and did did their own thing and they're doing something they love. And, um, you know, the, the pay might be shitty and you might work long hours, but it's still fun. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's I, kind of inspiring. I did really like hearing everybody's stories of, of how they got into it. That was that was pretty cool. And um, Brandon, how did you get into it? Uh, my first job out of college, well, aside from working for my, my dad, I was doing uh, as a, working as a contractor, and I would shoot anyone's car that would let me, which was hard when you, you know, you're like, this is for practice. So I shot a few cars, and I actually interviewed at a hot rod ten years ago, and for a position that wasn't available yet with with Rob Canan, who was the editor there. And about I think at that position. 
it was kind of entry level, but I had no experience. Then I went to interview for a position at Sport Truck with Finnegan, who was the editor of Sport Truck at the time, for a feature editor position that I wasn't really qualified for. And about that same time, I interviewed for an entry-level position at Truckin', which I got. Um, that was like nine and a half years ago. So, so. basically, Truckin' had the, had the lowest possible entry point? Your word's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's a, well, it's a fine public. It's another source fine. Yeah, I was there for five and a half years. I had fun doing it. Got to travel to a bunch of places I never would have otherwise. And that's how we met? That's right. And then because Brandon was already there, I knew that there were positions at Hard right. And you were at PR, and then you switched over, which is yeah. rare because most people go the other way. Yeah, well, because most people are kind of looking for money, and I was just looking for joy. So. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. You gotta listen to your heart. Wait, the two aren't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, so the panel. I had heard well. a little. I think like, there was like a, about a hundred people in the audience. A lot yeah. of them were like young college students too, and everything. Actually, it was funny because after the panel, I went to the uh, Red Bull uh, Global Rallycross, and I saw one of the guys, one of the young kids at the panel, who was like in the second row. He had a photographer's vest on, shooting the event, and I was like, "That kid's going places. That kid's <laughs> that kid's going to be taking on." How the was jobs. the rally? Rally was it was pretty fun. I went. I was late because the panel ran long because you know you get a bunch of auto journalists in a room and they're all going to rant. So um. It ran long. I missed the entire main race, but I was there for qualifying. And then the second day I went there, and um, it was pretty fun. There was a pretty decent crowd. Uh, the cars were awesome because they're always, you know, they got the big jump, and they're going, they're like, they look really cute when they're going off the jump because they're small cars. They go, wee, <laughs> wee, wee. And they're like, you know, the racing's pretty cool. And um, there's a lot of downtime between the races, which is surprising. And so you know, how, did you ki- how did you kill the downtime? Uh, well, I, I just talked to all the other journalists that were there. Subaru and Volkswagen PR guys were there, all mingling with each other and hanging out with each other, even though they're fierce rivals. <laughs> that's Isn't like, that precious? That's like the king shit day for the guys at, at, at Volkswagen and, and Subaru of America. When they have a rally event, they're like, finally, we're an event where we're relevant. You know? <laughs> but, we're uh, dominating. Yeah, but uh, I, I watched that... Um, Watched that with a friend of mine that was up, and uh, we were watching it, and which is funny because I live all of ten miles away from where it was taking place. I don't know why yeah. I didn't just go down there. The weather was fantastic in Pedro, by the way. Yeah, but uh, there was a, there was who a ended st- up taking the win at the end of the day? I can't. Reese Millen. Oh, it was Reese. Oh, good, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, it was Did Reese you... Millen the second day. I think the first day was Scott Speed because they ran two races, and um, yeah, it was it was really fun. So I really like. Yeah, it was interesting really seeing Tanner in the uh, Volkswagen now. Yeah, it's so out of place. In a Beetle, yeah. Yeah. Although it was kind of a cool little race car, but I looked at that and you know everybody always jokes about the oh the Beetle's just a squashed 911. That that Beetle race car really does look like a squashed <laughs> 911. I think the new Beetle in general looks like a squashed 911. It's like a cartoon 911. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. I, I just saw – I follow um, the Peterson Archives on Facebook, um, which is the all the old photographs, all the negatives and stuff that from all yeah, the Peterson really cool. magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they recently had a photo up, and it was like two guys racing in Volkswagens, and then you look at the door, and it was like Dan Gurney and Bulmer or something. I can't remember who the <laughs> other one was, but, I mean, they were like – it was apparently some, you know – Did Gurney fit? I was looking to see if they had a, had a gurney bubble on it. But you'd be it surprised what can fit in those I'm cars. I'm thinking of like the tall man in a little car from The Simpsons. Is there something That's what Brandon cool looks like when we carpool. <laughs> it's oh, what, in the Opal? Yeah. In the Opal, He's yeah. been talking about maybe putting a gurney bubble in on the passenger yeah. side. I mean, <laughs> people say Germans side. don't have a sense of humor, but they called that car a GT, as in Grand Touring, as in take this on a long drive. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, but they they also called the Elantra GT at oh. one point, so come on. But... Those 40 years later. Yes, those groups are said. So what else is going on in the world of Hot Rod these days? What else is going on at Hot Rod? Um, uh, We've got Engine Masters coming up. Yeah. Okay. That's a competition you were talking about. Yeah, that's a competition. I don't know how many teams we have involved, but it's usually around a dozen. Is that exclusively a dyno competition or what? Yeah, that's dyno only. And we change the rules every year to keep guys in check, but you know, people will always find little ways to... To one of each other. Yeah, but that's racing. That's right. All, so I that's mean. that's building a new engine, right? It's in building. Guys can use yeah. Usually set a minimum displacement, um, and then you set a parameter. You say we're going to go for the max. Uh, we're going to average your torque between say four thousand and and seven thousand, and mm-hmm. same for horsepower. 
there's a formula that spits out. Essentially, it's trying to get max volumetric efficiency over a wide RPM band. Right. And so, I'm assuming these are n- normally aspirated motors exclusively. Yes. Okay. Um, V8, naturally aspirated. Um, are you guys seen... defining block type, or are you No, because some guys do use aftermarket blocks. Um, but it's, I mean, we've in the last couple of competitions, we've seen everything from an early Hemi to a 426 Hemi, Pontiac, big block Ford, big block Chevy, a mod motor. Some guys made like 409 cubic inch mod motors that were just incredibly impressive. Interesting. So you don't you don't hear the modular motors being used like that very frequently. Well, I mean, they have tremendous potential for airflow because they have you know four valve heads, but not a lot of guys build them for. I mean. Guys will throw boost at them, but they're just sort of limited by their displacement, so you can't really get tremendous numbers out of them compared to yeah. a big block. Big motor, small bore. Right. Yeah. So how does the actual competition work then? Is it a bunch of guys in a room with a bunch of parts and they got to build an engine? The engine shows up built. I've never actually been. This is, was a uh, popular hot riding uh, event, and we just took it over recently. Yeah, with the shake up and everything mm-hmm. internal at the at the at source or. That's a nice way of calling it. At 10, yeah. Yes, at 10 now, yeah. So, you know, we're inheriting that because that's tech that's, like, right up our alley. So I was excited to go, so I was the first guy to volunteer to do it. And Alana gets to go drive a Corvette that week, so she went up to City Corvette. You're saying. That's okay. She got to drive the Hellcat. You're driving the Z06. It's probably going to end up like every press trip I go on where I end up driving a camera car so the photographer can shoot whatever we're Yeah, and where is this going to be? Somewhere in the south. Okay. I don't know yet. I don't know anything yet. <laughs> you drove a Viper recently, right? Um, it wasn't super recently. I drove it, but uh, yeah, I drove the a Viper up to Sonoma. That's true. And did a track day there. And you just drove the Viper today. I right? just drove the Viper today. I drove a TA, and I thought it was fantastic. Right. It is a really, Nothing bad really happened, cool. right? No, I did not die. Kind of a nice car. I didn't not lose any of my limbs. It didn't kill me. I didn't. I didn't burn myself on the side exhaust. Although I did, I did feel the heat coming off it it's it's really cool i you know i've when i was like eight or something like that we lived in southern illinois and my parents and i would always road trip to chicago all the way up the center of the state and we were on this two-lane state highway going through these stiller towns and all of a sudden this bright yellow viper rt10 pulls in front of us and we follow it for three hours and when we got to chicago i made my parents buy me a revel monogram model kit of a viper and it was awesome. So I've Did you ever assemble it? What? Did you ever assemble it? Yeah, yeah. And it was a snap tight, so it was really easy. <laughs> <laughs> I and, say uh, that because I've got like three models I haven't put together myself. I've got so. I've got at least four. Yeah, same. But um, none of them are Vipers. But yeah, I've always liked Vipers, and it's really cool to finally drive one, and it's it's awesome. I don't know, you know, the Viper has a reputation for being outrageous. Would you agree? Well, I would agree that it has the reputation. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did you think yours was? No. Uh, you know, and I'm glad to hear that you didn't either, because I was like, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. You know, it's yeah, yes, yeah, it's. I don't think there's anything outwardly crazy about the the new Viper, as far as yes, it had a lot of tr- traits in it before without any sort of electronic intervention, where you could get yourself into trouble if you didn't know what you were doing. However, the new one with those things, it's still. I mean, it's still kind of a hairy car, but it's not that. It's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just you know. I'm not used to You're also used to driving the, old yeah. cars that have That's no true. safety measures whatsoever. So for me, it was like, you know, it was like, ooh, yeah. this has airbags. What's that like? <laughs> it's got steering feel. Yeah, the steering was But it's fantastic. just going to I think that car's going to be very uh, hard to justify in just a, you know, a few months when, that, when the Z06 hits the market, especially. I mean, it's hard to justify against the Z6 now, and, and sales have proven that. But, I mean, when the Z06 comes out, and it's going to be markedly faster than that thing. I think that's a hard purchase to I make. I think it's when the same rationale between Ferrari and Lamborghini, where Ferrari's always been like, you know, if you want to get better track times, you do a Ferrari. But if you want to just show off, you get a Lamborghini. The thing is, though, the Viper is it's, it's a lot of fun to drive, and I think you're paying for the drama of it. Cause and it, turn, it turns head like, like, yeah. like no season. And it looks well. awesome, especially <laughs> in the, like, the obnoxious orange that our uh, the TA was. Friggin' yeah. cool. I, I mean, I, I agree. I think that, you know... I think the Viper's biggest problem is that nobody has ever known how to market it. So it's always got a competition that it wait, shouldn't. Wait, wait, there was marketing at some point for the Viper? <laughs> well, that's the thing is that they, you know, it keeps getting put against Corvette or, you know, or or like put McLaren against. even or Porsche. Yeah, it, yeah. you know, and like, it's you like, know, actual sports cars. You know, and also that, like, cars that are directed towards people who want to feel good about themselves even if they don't deserve it. Well, I mean, you know, like the the Viper is like, 
The, that was a loaded statement if I've ever heard one. The that, viper will not make you feel good about yourself if you're an idiot. It, it will not <laughs> let you do stupid stuff and then get away with it. It's like it's the kind of friend who's like, after like six other people tell you your haircut looks great, says, yeah, you should not have paid See, for I that. See, I felt that about the Hellcat. I, I think the Hellcat is the frat boy who's always going, don't be a pussy. Don't be a pussy, bro. That's the Hellcat. That's not what I'm saying, though. Like, yeah, oh, um, I feel like the, I'm not saying the Viper's a dick. I'm saying the Viper's on it. Well, Hellcat's it kind is of kind of by design. but <laughs> The Hellcat's a dick. I Ace and Gary, Hellcat. behind the wheel. Yeah. What? Exactly. Ace yeah. and Gary behind the wheel. Yeah, the Viper. Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. What's everyone looking at? <laughs> I just, I felt like, I mean, because I, you know, I drove the Viper a thousand miles. I drove it up to San Francisco. Right. I drove it through San Francisco. Actually, Kevin Wesley drove it through San Francisco because we just happened to be on that trade-off then. Yeah. But um, I drove it in traffic. I drove it in the rain, and I drove it on a track day, which I had never done before. I'd never done a track day before. So which first, is basically what that car's built for. Yeah. So it was my first track day ever, and I did it in a Viper, and it was fine. The whole time, the car was fine. I think the Viper's... Um, Reputation from the earlier years when I think it was a much more difficult car just stuck with it. In fact, I bet there are people who've written reviews of the new Viper having never even driven oh, one. People like, carry so you know preconceived notions about cars for a long, long time. You know, it was just like I had somebody make a snide remark about me about my Corvette the other day and go, "Oh, that thing." Oh, that's why all. you're offended about my Corvette comments, huh? Oh <laughs> no, I actually I don't care. I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to that point. Uh, but <laughs> I think you're just talking about you, Chris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's all the about Viper me. is for people, not you, Chris. Mm, yeah. it's, for, it's, it's actually that's true. I don't have any inclination to buy one. <laughs> I don't, it's not that I hate it, but I just don't. Want no, but, if but you want to, I like what you're saying about that versus the Porsche 911. The Porsche. Chris didn't get to finish. Well, I was just oh, saying, sorry. you know, it's that preconceived notion thing that people carry with them for a long time. This woman just made some stupid comment about the gas mileage and everything. And I'm like, gas mileage. It's, it's like thirty really? odd miles to the gallon on the highway. So whatever. So, but it's the same thing that applies to the Viper. Everybody it had that reputation for being. You know, a tricky car to to push, and probably deservedly so. But it's not really that car now. I mean, the electronic controls do help you keep it in line. I mean, you can still throw it sideways, but it's in a more measured fashion. So the um, the Hellcat I think replaces the up the outrageousness quotient in the Dodge lineup because I drove that today, and oh man, that driving that car is like typing with caps lock on the entire time. That's really? what it is. It's like the it's like the caps lock of cars. I thought it it's was kind so of mellow. Awesome. And now we know the tagline for Blake's article on it's it. It's the caps lock of cars. Oh yeah, this is all going to my review. But um, no, the Hellcat is pretty awesome. It 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 handles in a way that's like it feels like you're being overwhelmed by it. I thought. All right. See, I think both the Viper and the Hellcat are pretty mellow. Are like. They're only tricky if you're used to cars without power, so your application of throttle is, like, all in. You know, like... Well, like I mean, if I, you, can, if I you, can drive if, it. I can finesse it. I can it, drive it without, like, you know, stomping on the throttle the entire time. But if you do drive the Hellcat, for example, if you drive the Hellcat without stomping on the throttle, you would never know that it had that much horsepower other than the fact that it has a snappy throttle response. That is true. So, you know, my argument to you with all love and respect is that if you feel like the car's out of control then it's your driving that's out of control. I think control. Alana's saying that I can't drive and everyone's been telling me that since I was born so whatever. I, I'm i not I'm not eh, saying that. Eh, eh, just, sure maybe sure you're that. just a little aggressive. Maybe you need to learn a little I think it is a preconceived notion because everyone said that about the Hellcat and I was trying to exploit that about the Hellcat but yeah you're right you can't drive it normally and it's perfectly fine driving it but you know when you, when you stomp on it and you do launch control on it and everything and it's awesome and it feels really cool. Well and then isn't I mean if you stomp on something it should smoke the tires and it should be insane. Not in my Miata. Believe me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Not in any Miata. <laughs> Although the new one might be able to. It's very light. Yeah. It's very, very light. Which almost as light as Alana's Opal. Almost. almost. Which is remarkable for considering that we're, with all the safety stuff that's built into that. The Opal car. will smoke the tires if you stomp it. Will it? Mm-hmm. Oh. It'll chirp them in se- going into second. See, was, uh, that Opal is such a cool little car. I, I love those things because it's a three-quarter size vet, and then people just go, well, we're going to take the regular drivetrain and throw it in there too, and then mm-hmm. it weighs nothing and has a billion horsepower. No. Not hers. Not no, yours. Yours is a four-cylinder, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a big one, though. Yeah, what is the displacement on that four-cylinder? Two liter. Okay. 
I thought it was going to be something ridiculous like the old Iron Dukes that were just going to be like, it's a four liter, you know, <laughs> in four. There's so. a 1.1 liter Opal engine too. It's like a soda bottle. That's precious. Yeah, that is. That you is could probably just do crunches with it one handed. That's a, that would be a three cylinder motor now. That's true. Well, mm-hmm. the Fiesta SFE with the three point. No, sorry, three cylinder 1.0, not one point. What the other way around? Speaking of three cylinders, I've been seeing a lot of the uh, BMW i3 screws around. That's true. There's been a surprising number of those. They're popping up everywhere. I guess they must be moving them pretty quick. Have you been in those things yet? Uh, no. The BMWs are not something I ever end up in. Well, they'd be. I guarantee you, this one will be around the office. It's an interesting little car. It almost looks like a little cube, but the whole thing is full carbon construction from the ground up. So it's kind of like Ooh, it's futuristic. It, it is very futuristic, but it's it's interesting because it's kind of an exercise. You look at it and go, this is how stu- like the average consumer car is going to be constructed very, very soon. And it's not horribly expensive, which is like forty grand, something like that. Blake. You, you pay for you pay for the BMW badge, and you also pay for the early adopter status. And you know it's it's high tech, and yeah. it looks polarizing. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few i8s around. Now that's pretty cool. That's yeah. a real future car. That is yeah. the future right there. It's it's just cool because they're like I didn't expect to see. We've got that, and we got the Alpha Four C, and it's like these are cars that like regular people can buy now that are all. Well, he doesn't carbon. like the Alpha. You no. don't like the Alpha Four? What is? It's got bug eyes. Wait, okay. did you drive and it's it? Got a, it's got four cylinders. How much does that thing cost? Hold on, hold on. That, how much does it cost? Brandon, how much right now? How much does it cost? Fifty-three thousand to start. Exactly. So hold on. That's, for a four-cylinder car that makes how much power? That you're equating cost with <clears throat> cylinder count. Okay, and? No, I'm just saying. Yeah, but you're getting a chassis. You know, a thing that yeah. turns left and turns right? I, they don't do that in Hot Rod Magazine. I do I remember that Motor hey. Trend took the the Hellcat around the figure eight in the same time as a 4C. The undrivable, unturnable Hellcat versus this precise... You're wearing an Alfa Romeo shirt right now. That is true. Guilty as charged. And guess what? Let I drove me, the 4C let me ask, today. If you were going to go tossing things through the canyon, would you rather have a Hellcat or a 4C? Hellcat. Hellcat. Absolutely. Actually, <laughs> I did. I did toss both cars around canyons today, and yeah, really, actually, I had the Viper. I tossed around the Viper yeah. more than any of those. But the 4C is still awesome, near and dear to my heart. We From inside, about, I'm sure it looks great. But have you have you like actually uh, walked around the car? No, I drove. And took it. In you can't see the, the outside of the car when you're driving okay. it, and that's all that matters. Okay, it's awesome. It's, you, they're very, you know, we're com- we're comparing. Sp- Forks and, and ladders right now. There's just no comparison whatsoever. Ladders are more you can useful say than sports. And ladders. All right. Well, what's something we all agree on? The vipers are sweet. Vipers are sweet. Vipers Amen. Are super sweet. I like them. I'm not going to buy one, no, but you're I paying, like them. You're paying, what, 86, and you're getting 10 cylinders. So that's, that's more, a bargain. Than, more than two times the cylinder count of the 4C. So Did they Blake drop it to 86? Because it was 100 to start. Yes. They dropped it by a lot. I don't think it's 86. It's, it's probably 90. I'll sell most. you an old Nissan pickup with 18 burned out small blocks in the back. Think of the cylinder per value. Ooh, you know, cool. cylinder value on that thing. I mean, it's he knows me. <laughs> Sold. Yes. You could buy a junkyard out in Sun Valley right now and think of all the cylinders in that junkyard. Yeah. Yeah. There you and go. then you get a sweet place to cook all your meth. Mm. Um, I like meth, Chris. You know me. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Blake. Oh, oh, so oh, we were talking about BMWs, and I forgot to mention, I drove something interesting. Oh, yeah. It happens to have a BMW badge on it. The M4. Wasn't terribly impressed by it. <laughs> really? No. Although it was the color of... Um, there's a little. It was the color of that highlighter. That's well, on the table well, that, right that's now. good for an audio format. It's um, a yellow highlighter. Yeah, it's yellow the, highlighter. the not. They don't call it Phoenix Gold anymore. They call it something they call else. It, oh, is Aust- it that really? They call it Austin Yellow. Is it that like super bright bile yellow? Yeah, yeah it kind of looks like. Yeah, terrible. we had one of those in the Motor Trend. On that lot. car, I kind of like it because it's just very abrasive. On you do it. notice it. Yeah. And as an Asian guy who lives near UCLA, driving an obnoxious <laughs> M4, I fit in perfectly. I tell you that much right now. Yes. Um, oh man, that car! So what was it? I mean, everybody else has had fairly positive reviews of it. Have you driven the E ninety E ninety two stuff? Or I drove an E ninety sedan M three. No, actually, no. I drove an E ninety coupe E ninety two. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, briefly, and I had I had a bit of fun with that. It was on a wet autocross course, so it's kind of a uh, you know not much of a control right there. But um, the my issue with the M four that it, it does feel a bit insulating and. It's it's very quick. It's technically brilliant, but uh, you know the the cliche about the um, cars not having any like X factor or soul or whatever. I used to think that was bullshit, and then I I started driving fast cars like this and just you know it's very good. But I walked away not really wanting it. So this is 
totally subjective and I'm full of crap. So no, isn't that what that's we've kind of the point? Yeah, right. you know, yeah. And, like technically proficient, but technically they're, they're actually not terribly they're, interesting. They haven't quite figured out yet a um, sort of formal scientific way of right. measuring soul. So that's true. it's going to be but all gut feeling. There's there's a few things. Carbon I believe that's called do. the Brown factor. <laughs> Gross. That's also Root a beer. you can Root play. Beer brown. Well, it's um, the James Brown factor. That's true. It's that's the true. father of soul. But uh, there's a few things car companies do to make a car have more soul. Like in the case of the 4C, it's loud. It's got manual steering. And um, Yes, in the case of Italian cars, you make things slightly worse. Yeah, that's you make how things, that goes. You make things worse, and therefore they're more interesting. That was actually yes. the case with that, the British car industry up to the 90s. But um, the BMW is actually exactly the opposite. The steering, you can get it to like insanely – you can change a button – you can press a button and change it up to insanely heavy amounts where it's kind of obnoxious. And then it's not that loud. Everyone's staring at me. <laughs> well, you were saying something. That's why we're looking what at engine, you. What engine is in that? It is the twin turbo inline six. Yeah, okay, that's cool. It's the it's usual. 425 horsepower, and it's faster. Oh. Actually, the car is faster and lighter than the V8. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's up on. It's only up like 15 horsepower, if I remember correctly, something in that range. But it's up almost 100 foot pound of torque at any at any point yeah. in the rev range because that torque, that's your favorite thing, Brandon. I do. I actually have a thing for straight sixes that Alana, you know, straight she's, she's all about V8s. I really want to build a straight six just for the hell of it. Well, but, they're easy to boost the hell out of just because yeah. of the way the pressure goes on the uh, bearing caps. Yeah. So the M4's drivetrain is wonderful. You know, there's power on all the time and everything, and um. Yeah, you know, with all that torque, just summon it up. Summon it oh, up undoubtedly, it's probably going to be it's probably going to be a, a favorite, much in the same way that that most BMW motors have. And, and given that that's an M motor and a straight six, it's probably yeah. way overbuilt. So I'm imagining Steve Dynan's going to do some interesting things. That's true, because he did magical things with the one M. But also, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is the first M with electric steering. I think that's correct. I don't know, maybe the M5, but I'm not sure on that. The M5 um, actually no, I think the M5 is still hydraulic, but it's to some extent. Well, I mean, obviously it has to be hydraulic. So that's um that was probably an issue that I had with the M4. Just the steering didn't feel like it was all there. It it is very, it is you can get it to be very weighty and um it's accurate, but it doesn't feel like there's anything of the road that's coming back to you. Does like. It- yeah, like the 4C, like it's manual, so you're you're going through a corner and you like you you feel everything. Well, in that's it. not just manual. It's it's no assist whatsoever. It's not yeah. even just you know hydraulic. It's exactly. zero assist on the steering on that. But I know how that works, which is an unfair yeah. comparison. Yeah, you too. I just ditched that on my car. Yeah, ask Brandon what he's just been building. What are you building? <clears throat> uh, I've got a '64 Le Mans, which for the time being has a Chevy 350 in it. We're fixing mm-hmm. that. But uh, what are you doing, Pontiac 400? Uh, building a, f- a 400, and the plan is to build a stroker. Um, not terribly large, but like a 462. Um, that's my dream. But was it three weeks ago? Uh, right before we went on, uh, right before we went on drag week, did a full CPP suspension, QA1 coilovers in the front, disc brake conversion in the rear, and power steering conversion. Oh, and that's it's all? like it's a whole new car. That's nice. all. Yes. It's a lot more fun to ride in now. <laughs> yeah, it had 14s before, where there was probably 205 and manual steering. Okay. So you could turn it when the you know unless the tire pressures were low, but now it's got two thirty fives in the front, so it's more you know modern tire size up front and power steering. So nice. So you guys basically are now because you guys carpool, you guys are making each other suffer with whatever who with whomever has the worst project at the point in time. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I it used to be. Brandon, I think the Pontiac was wor- was the worst for a while, um, <clears throat> but I would say that the, the Opal is probably the least comfortable now. But we we take it a lot. Yeah, when it's neither one of our cars, project cars, have air conditioning. Her Polara does. It's on its way out. Um, yeah. But I'm six three, and she's what five six, and so she slides we'll a seat that. in the Polara. <laughs> she slides a seat in the seat in the Polara all the way up. So I'm like, you know. It's yeah, and it's a bench. Water, yeah. water everywhere, not a not a drop to drink. I told just, him he could sit in the back if he wanted to. Yeah, just driving like you're being chauffeured. Yeah. Driving Miss Brandon. <laughs> there you go. Alana, is the Opal a project or maintenance at this point? Because I don't know. Are you doing anything like to mod it, or are you just kind of? Um, I mean, it it's up? you know, I it's mostly sort of um, just keeping it running. At some point, I'd like to paint it. Um, you know, there's always fantasies about other engines, but it's running quite well. Um, nice. Okay, so fantasies about other engines, what would they be? 
Mm. Straight sixes. Well, you were talking about little little V8s earlier. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to, to stick. I think Buick made a tiny V8. Um, yeah, the, the 215, the all-aluminum one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. Um, I know Zach earlier was talking about LS engines. I well, I physically, be, they are very small. Well, there was an LS-powered Opel Manta at Drag Week, so it nice. did fit. Um, so I talked to that guy, and I was like, yeah, how, you know, how was it? Did it, you know, was it easy? And he's like, well, I wouldn't say it was easy, but he yeah. made it all, the whole week. So. You know what else would be fun? A uh, Ecotec motor. She mentioned yes. that before. 260 horsepower turbo. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's 260. The, L- the LNF. Yeah, yeah. That, that's 260 tuned as it would be from the factory. Those good motors are good for over 400. Easy. Yeah, that's true. Because well, uh, even the factory had a 290, right? Was that? The status stage two, 290 uh, thing. You need a new map I think sensor. Even the, I think even the the late of the the you know the second generation of the SS the turbo one there I think was up to 290, and I know the Sky and the Red Line were in that power range too. Well, so I think that the proper thing to do is to put a turbo on the engine that it currently has. Um, until it blows up. Until it blows up. Yeah, it's because it's terrible to take a running engine out. It's a crime hand to take a running to engine out. Finnegan and Freiberger and let them make an episode out of it. Yeah, I wouldn't have any car left. <laughs> Those guys are a little That's, brutal. That that is. A in, I mean, strange for fixing up the AC in your Polaris. You can drive that again. It, it just needs a new compressor. It's not no, a very interesting enough. problem. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking. Interesting fact. System, that's all. Uh, V-twin compressor on the Polara more displacement than Miata. I can see that. Yeah. It's bigger than 1.8. Okay, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> 1.6. Is it bigger than 1.6? Yeah. Well, there you go. Nice. Oh, speaking of Ecotex, I saw an, a Chevy HHR SS panel van the other day. Yes, and there's one that parks in my neighborhood. And then this is on the 405, and then a few exits later, I saw another panel van, non-SS. So two HHR panel vans in one day means something's gone wrong in the Awful matrix. cars, but very fast for what they are. And so, also really dorky. So do you look for patterns? I mean, do you, you know, you guys are... We're all, you know, slaves sure. to the 405. I mean, you know, we start recognizing cars like, oh, there's Ford know. or Nova guy. Oh, yeah, was, or, oh, there's the, you know, there's the black SLS. Um, <laughs> when I was living in Norwalk and driving in on the 91 and then the 405, I used to see the world's most pristine 1986 Taurus every day. <laughs> it was black, and it was just, the paint was gleaming and everything, not a single th- panel on that crooked. It was great. Yeah, so, and it's weird yeah. the things you notice, too, because, you know, Blurring amongst all of the silver Camrys and yeah. BMWs, Someone you know, with just, an '86 you know, Taurus, yeah. which is great because my parents had an '86 Taurus and I grew up in one. It was awesome. My mom had a Taurus wagon, but I think it was like a '90. They were all '90s, yeah. yeah. All of those wagons were. You rarely see the '80s, the first gen Taurus wagons anymore, or the first gen shows, because they made them. All the ones you see are '90, '90, '91, '92s. Yeah, good times. But yeah, so. Chris, and how are we doing for time? We are about to wrap up. That's okay. why we're doing on time. So. All right. Well, do, so do. I, I want to leave everybody with, Please since do. we've been driving so much together recently, having, you know, what, we just did like almost 2,000 miles in the last two weeks. Sounds about right. So, uh-huh. and a lot of it was at midnight. Um, so we've been coming up with all of these games to play in the car. Right. And we also do them on, the, you know, on the sitting in traffic on four or five. Like, right. So I can now, we can now do the alphabet um, with a make for every letter. We could do one a model for every letter. We could do a car part for every letter. Hmm. Um, we could give you a whole list of names. What's there for of, Q? Kvale. Oh, of course. Kashkai. That's, oh yeah, okay, that's a mo- model, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's there for X? Excalibur doesn't... Oh. X-Drive. For for make model or part make anything um, that begins with X, the actual letter X, not just saying Excalibur. We had one for X. Um, Damn it! Thanks for putting us on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Way sorry to make us guys. Look like liars. I kind of want to play this game right now. I don't think we have the time though. No, it's no. not. That's not going to make particularly entertaining podcasting. No, no. but you, you should play so, along. But I think but everybody out there should should go ahead and make a list. It's a new thing. It's, it's your. Uh, you, it's a good way to to kill some time. time. Yep. So. Uh, so start to promote. What's going on? What do you need to tell us about? What do you need to tell the fans about other than uh, games involving alphabets and obscure makes of cars? What else is there? Yeah. Well, there is Hot Rod. That's there is true. Hot Rod. Well, you know, um, we're going to be redoing our website. Yeah, um, it launches October 21st. Okay, yes. again. That's good. Right. Guaranteed to suck less. Guaranteed to suck less. Okay. And, um, you know, the magazine's on the, on the shelves, so... Pick it up, and uh, the next couple of issues should start feeding out some of this Drag Week stuff. So. Anything anything coming out that we should look forward to? 
Drag Week. Drag Week. Well, yeah. Besides that. Right. Okay. In fact, all of Drag Week, if you want to watch it, is on YouTube. On yeah, I was going to ask, is when is the video going up? Um, there is already, uh, an, every single day was live streamed, and there, all the recaps are available, so you could watch the entire week. And, yeah, there's and, seven, seven, eight hours each. And that's all on but, the Motor Trend channel, and then on the Hot Rod YouTube channel, um, there's a whole bunch of sort of smaller interviews and like mini features on cars that were there so if okay, you want so you to see the, any of the stuff that we okay, were talking about so you get the about. details there and then you get the broad strokes on motor trend you got it okay cool and, and then Larry Chen's photography is going to be in the issue and Larry Chen's photography is going to be in the issue and it's so already online in, in a lot of our galleries yeah if you're we a Speed Hunters a, fan you gotta get him on a podcast you he's do need him on because he's, he's funny cool and he's brilliant we will have him on though. He w- and he's been traveling a lot because right after drag week he was at GRC yeah he had to leave us early we didn't want to let him go oh so where do we find you on Twitter? Uh, challenge her. And same on Instagram as well, right? Yeah. Yes. And Brandon? And I'm Brandon G on Instagram. That is really, really easy to find. All, although my name is B-R-A-N-D-A-N, so I made it difficult. Oh, see, there you Branding. go. Branding. Yeah. Branding. And then Branding. obviously Hot Rod Magazine um, on all of those things. Yes. And Blake? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at B-Z-R-O-N-G, B-Z-R-O-N, and you can find me on Instagram as the same. So. Blake is funny on Twitter. What's your uh, next article? When's my next article? What's my next article? Yeah. My, you know, today I ran an article on the uh, the very first 917K to ever finish a race, Porsche 917K. I did a ton of research, interviewed Bruce Canapa, who's selling it. Uh, guess how much a fully restored, pristine, uh, period-correct 1970 Brands Hatch Livery Edition Golf Porsche 917K is estimated oh my God. at? $19. Add a couple zeros. Okay. Actually, over $20 million. You know they estimated yeah, Steve McQueen's nine, uh, 917 at 20 million, but this one's the same because it's been completely restored up to and up. Have you ever been to his place, Canapa's place? No. It's amazing. I really want to go. It's amazing. And um, I really want to go. And I saw this car at the um, Motorsports Reunion where Porsche borrowed it for their display. And it's great. Yeah, he's so. got an incredible collection. He does. I mean, he builds customer cars. He has like a. Sales room, and then he also has his own restoration shop and yeah, um, museum upstairs, uh, including a, what is it, the 935? He he also has um, chassis number 15 917K in Gulf livery that was uh, driven by Pedro Rodriguez, who was incredible in the rain. If you ever look up him on YouTube, all his videos and um, videos of him driving old archival footage. And I, when I asked Bruce about this, he was like, oh, I don't need two 917Ks. <laughs> So, so, all right. So you find your uh, 917 article on Auto Week. Yep. And, and Chris. And then uh, if you want a podcast, you got a podcast, something stupid to say or whatever, just go to Shout Engine, put it up on there. We'll take care of you. And then you can find me at Hayes Data on Twitter and also on all the smoke retire bullshit too. Great. Along, so, Brandon, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Episode 76. Yeah. See you next week. Thank you.